When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. Football Prizes recently had some time away while they changed their server providers but they are back with a bang this week with two superb prizes for Hammers fans. The first is an enviable signed and framed Paolo Di Canio shirt, which, to be honest, I am desperate for. Tickets are £4.95 each, just 99 will be sold, and there are only 28 left as of Wednesday night, with entries closing on Friday at 7.30pm, and the draw being made an hour later, live on the Football Prizes Facebook page. Also there to be won this week is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for many fans, and that is two hospitality passes to Manchester City's Tunnel Club for Sunday's game against West Ham. This fantastic prize includes the best seats in the house, just a few rows directly behind the dugouts, pre-match entertainment from former players to DJs, the home and away teams arriving just inches away from your seat, complimentary all-inclusive food and drink before, during and after the game, premium padded seating and the opportunity to listen to the post-match interviews Live as of Wednesday night, just eight that is eight of the 75 available tickets have been sold on the Football Prizes website. So, if you act fast, you give yourself a real chance to win this awesome prize. Entries cost £9.95 each, and the competition closes on Thursday night at 7 30, with the winner announced an hour later in the usual fashion. There have been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufal up for grabs since Football Prizes launched. And after a couple of weeks away, they are back with a vengeance. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out.
After the disappointment of the away fan ban West Ham received from UEFA for their away trip to Rapid Vienna on Thursday, the somewhat burst bubble feeling carried on at Molyneux on Sunday as the Hammers lost 1-0 at Wolves. But it's onwards and upwards this week with another double game week, another European fixture before a mouth-watering clash against Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium on Sunday. And we are determined on the We Are West Ham podcast. And by we, I mean me, Will Pugh, and my good friend and colleague, James Jones, to not let their negativity run us down. It's a great time to be a West Ham supporter. There's been a tiny little bit of a dip in the last two weeks, but we did expect that, didn't we? It was all feeling a little bit too good to be true. Jonesy, I'm delighted to have you back again. Uh, this week, mate. Uh, just want to apologise to everyone um, about the timings of the last couple of podcasts. We've had to try and flex and fit them in around our, our very hectic lives. Uh, before we get into all that, I'm delighted to see you again, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit jealous of you swallowing off across Europe. Um, equally gutted that we won't be in Vienna this week. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been off work this week, so... I've spent the last, what, day and a half building a playhouse for <laughs> Harrison. Um, it's his birthday in a couple of weeks, so we bought my playhouse, yeah. which is going on our balcony. And mm-hmm. um, a lot harder than I thought it would be. I thought I'll be all right. I just wrap the panels on the floor in, drill it all in, screw it all in, and away you go. Absolutely mm. not. Absolutely yeah. not. So I've been pulling my hair out the last couple of days. They often sound, well, I'm, I was just about to say, yeah, they often sound a little bit easier than they are. Like I've ever built a playhouse. I've got to how easy or difficult I, they are. I say a playhouse. I mean, they, it's basically just a re, it's a mini shed mm. um, with a door and a window. Um, right. But yeah, it's um, I'm definitely not going to go into shed making as a as a potential <laughs> Play. career Play, <laughs> playhouse maker. Not not no, for me. Not for not me. Let's stack off sports media and content and go into yeah, yeah playhouse erector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Jonesy, uh, just to, I mean, I've sort of delved into a few of these things before, not being a parent myself. uh, I'm not always au fait with the the little niches and and the the little tricks of the trade of of parenthood. So you mentioned it's Harrison's birthday in a couple of weeks, did you say? Yeah, two or three weeks. You're building the playhouse. Now, as as a stickler for tradition and surprises and things like that, that suggests to me that Harrison has already seen his playhouse. Uh, because you're building it in his sphere of, uh, well, definitely his sphere of influence, but his sphere of experience as well, where he can he can see Daddy on the balcony, um, swearing and sweating and throwing screwdrivers down to the ground in anger, um, as these various planks of wood of different sizes don't resemble anything more than a, a pile of wood for two or three days. Is it? The, the 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 quality of the construction so far means it's not really much of a surprise because he just thinks <laughs> you've started a timber reclaim yard on the balcony or <laughs> <laughs> or is it like look he's seen it already he's only young it doesn't matter it's not a surprise it's um I've actually been quite lucky because uh, we've, we've got two balconies and so we're we're putting this one on the bedroom balcony which we rarely use um so we're using that as a kind of a, we're going to turn that into a bit of a, a play area for him. Nice. And he's been he's been out he's been at the childminders the last couple of days and so when he leaves the house it's you know, it's pretty much dark when he comes back it's dark so he at the moment he's completely none the wiser that there's a, a, a huge shed on the bedroom balcony okay. um, but tomorrow he's at home 
and so he will see me pulling my hair out while I try and finish it off. Mm. So the the surprise will be ruined tomorrow, no doubt. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what see what he. Uh, uh, how old is he going to be this birthday? Love the love the use of the classic football cliche. It'll be interesting to see. And yeah, about a kid seeing the shed he's bought for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be he's going to be two. So um, ah, that is still like. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping he'll get some. Yeah, I mean, we're going to put his. He's got a little play kitchen and that which we've got in the front room. We're going to put that that in there. He's got a little Christmas tree ready for it um, for Christmas. So, um, yeah, we're hoping we get some good use out of it. Fair play, mate. Fair play. Well, just to clear up uh, another thing that Jonesy covered in his intro there, um, he said he's jealous of me gallivanting across Europe. Uh, and I just said about a, a couple of apologies we've got to make. The last two weeks, we've recorded the podcast on Wednesday evenings, which is a little bit late, particularly this season where we've been doing a few of them on Monday. So apologies for the somewhat scattergun uh approach it might seem for you guys expecting podcasts on tuesday or wednesday mornings and them not coming until wednesday midnight uk time uh last week the, yeah, the excuse was pretty legit uh was it last week jonesy or the week before was um no it was a week before when it when i had to, uh, moved into my flat and all that sort of thing that went through a little bit sharp but we were late last week as well weren't we yeah i think you you were working nights that week so we had to yeah right yeah, that one's fair. But this week, uh, as Jones, you mentioned, I've carried on my 30th birthday celebrations and spent uh, the weekend in Barcelona, actually. A little visit to the new Camp, just sort of a bit of a recce trip for the uh, knockout stages of the Europa League um, when West Ham inevitably draw Barcelona. Just, you know, see a few bars and all that. But no, me and a few of my mates went out to Barcelona. So apologies for the podcast being late. We did only arrive late on back in England late on Tuesday night. Uh, and that does also, the other apology comes, that does also explain the croaky nature of my voice. Uh, did have a few beers, had a very, very good time indeed. And uh, yeah, fortunately, the beauty of the editing software we use means you won't get to uh, <laughs> you won't get to hear the absolute shambolic attempts at about three or four different intros that I had to cough and splutter through and start again but um Jonesy got the got that both barrels so a little bit behind the curtain there but yeah thanks for staying with us we're hoping uh, from next week I think we should be back uh, getting them recorded nice and early in the week so there's a little bit more time for you to listen but I will say Jonesy by the way uh, another massive thank you in amongst all the apologies I mentioned people sticking with us there not only are they sticking with us uh, hordes of people uh, are joining the We Are West Ham podcast it appears for the first time ever so hello and thank you to you guys um, yeah two uh, our last two episodes, Jonesy, made it into our all-time top three most listened, which is absolutely brilliant stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, again, like I say, there, a few of you sticking with us, which is brilliant, and uh, a lot of new listeners as well. We had a bit of a spike, didn't we, when we got the uh, exclusive first interview with Tony Cotty after he announced his PAI Capital involvement, and it appears uh, a few of the the new guys who who downloaded then and listened in then have, have stuck with it, and uh, yeah, beating the numbers of, of of recent sort of months by by quite some way, and they were already getting better, weren't they? So um, good stuff on that front, Jonesy. Yeah, no, it's good to see. It's good to see. Um, I've been checking the numbers, particularly on YouTube, uh, but the downloads, just the audio version of the podcast has been been on the up ever since probably the beginning of this season, really. It's kind of been on a steady growth. 
Um, so yeah, good to see a lot of people tuning in. I was clearly telling their mates about us. We're getting some good reviews, good tweets every week on the on the uh, the announcement tweets and the and the YouTube video links that I put up and the promo videos and stuff like that. So yeah, we're building up a little bit of a little bit of a following, which is good. Um, and it seems like we might be doing something right, which is which is good Hello. to know. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely, no idea what it is at this stage, but uh, <laughs> something in something in yeah. amongst all the waffle appears to be going well uh, down well with people. So yeah, thanks very much, uh, new and old listeners alike. Um, and another one, last thank you, just to cap off this intro uh, before we actually start talking about some football. Perhaps that's what it is, Josie. It's probably the the chat about um, fatherhood and building sheds and um little croaky voices from hangovers is perhaps it's the complete avoision of football contact that, that get people coming back time and time again what's not to like what's not to like <laughs> absolute golden content mate uh yeah one last thank you uh jonesy to rob reeves as well who got in touch on uh instagram this week and just said hi lads uh just if you're struggling to get your money back for the vienna trip um uh, gave us some phone numbers and people to call um, and just said, hope you get your money back. Thanks for your continued hard work to produce such an excellent podcast, especially with this Rob. So, yeah, just want to say cheers to Rob. He went out of his way to, um, yeah, obviously, well, we obviously moaned about it enough last week, saying how gutted we were not being able to go to the game. But, um, yeah, he, he chipped in with some advice about how to get our money back. And, uh, yeah, on it's, it's, it's helped a little bit. Still struggling with the flights, which is a pain. But, yeah, thanks to Rob for that. It's a thoughtful thing to do. Um, Jonesy, come on in. Let's let's talk about football. Should we do? We'll do housekeeping first, then we'll talk a bit about football. Nah, we won't. We won't. I've changed my mind, Jonesy, on the spot. Um, spontaneous podcast presentation. Uh, Wolves. There isn't too much to say about it, really. Um, I was absolutely devastated on Saturday, sat in a bar on Las Ramblas in Barcelona. Uh, got the early game on. Happy days, no problem at all. Being Sports was the channel they had on there. We thought, oh, we're overseas. No 3 p.m. blackout. Absolutely brilliant. There's screens all over the place in here. Of course, they're going to have the West Ham Wolves game on. What other game would they pick? Turned mm. out that they had some weird notion that Manchester United are a bigger club than West Ham uh, and put the Man United Watford game on. Turned out it was quite a thrilling encounter and one that I enjoyed thoroughly. And the end of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, but it did mean after thinking I was going to get to watch the whole 90 minutes of West Ham, I didn't get to watch a moment of it. Lost 1-0, of course. Raul Jimenez with a nice goal for Wolves. West Ham seemed to get in it a little bit early on, seemed to have the upper hand. And that was about it, really, for the first 20 minutes, from what I've seen and read afterwards. And, uh, yeah, prepping for the pod earlier, Jonesy. I thought, oh God, I haven't watched, I haven't even watched the highlights. I didn't see it. I was out of country, but I should at least do the courtesy of watching the highlights. I uh, watched them back this evening beforehand. Turned out I had actually watched the highlights, but they were so boring, I'd forgotten that I'd even watched. So, uh, yeah, disappointing with the defeat. Obviously, it would be nice to get a point. Um, what were your thoughts after the game and what have you seen of it? Because we haven't really spoke about it at all since it happened. Well, I mean, I didn't catch it either. Um, but I did watch the highlights and I do agree they were pretty boring. But for the first time in a long time, uh, after a defeat, I've kind of almost not felt anything. Kind of, it was almost like, well, yeah, we've lost, but bigger picture, uh, it's not not the worst result in the world. Obviously, it'd be nice to have won, go second in the league for a little bit, but you know, 
the reality is that we are going to lose games on this little journey that we're on. And, you know, we're not, David Moyes said it absolutely right after the game. It's like we're not we're not at the level yet to 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 be consistently brilliant constantly all the time. Like you sit here, Chelsea, Chelsea, you know, Chelsea yeah. Liverpool's, um, you're going to lose games every now and then. And some one day, you know, you might go on a six or seven game unbeaten run, and then there might be a game where you're just completely off. Happened to be last weekend. Had our chances, didn't take them. A couple of off performances. Um, probably down to a little bit of fitness, a couple of players that were on international duty coming back a little bit leggy. Um, but yeah, I kind of just not so much shrugged my shoulders, but kind of felt oh, okay, that's a little bit annoying, but we just we go again, we move on. Um, I can't remember the last time I felt like that after after a defeat because the two previous ones were frustrating because they both came in the last minute, you know, Brentford and Man United. Hmm. Whereas this one was kind of like a oh, well, you know, we're, we're good enough to. To crack on um, and and bounce back, I think we've only lost uh, the last time we lost back to back games was back in April against Chelsea and Everton, I believe. And before then, I think it's over a year before then since we lost back to back games under under Moyes. Hmm. So he's got us, he's got us, you know, in a good place where we can bounce back nicely from from defeats like that. So yeah, frustrating. It would have been nice to win, but you know, we, we go again against City at, at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think such pragmatism, Jonesy, has been quite prevalent among Hammers fans, isn't it? But David yeah. Moyes and all the players have bought themselves more than enough credit to, not that fans don't care, but to go, okay, fair enough. You know, like this, you beat Liverpool last week, you've lost the Wolves, you haven't done it on purpose. You're obviously a good team who's trying hard and wants to win. And it hasn't happened this week. And it's funny, actually, you mentioned about those previous two defeats. And I always think... Those are all about perception, Brentford and Man United. It's frustrating at the time when you lose last minute, but we were in both of those games right till the death. It shows that, that doesn't it, as opposed to, uh, you know, the flip side of it, where it's like it's not like we're 3-0 down after an hour, is it? But look, look, Jonesy, we've got the, uh, the Wolves section coming up. Let's do a little bit um, of housekeeping quickly. I'll let everyone know what we've got coming up. On the show, bit of housekeeping. First of all, we're on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. Instagram, we're we are West Ham pod. Facebook, just search we are West Ham podcast. Do the same on YouTube and you'll find our channel over there where you can watch all the little clips of all the interviews that we do and the chats between me and Jonesy. Or if you like, you can email us at we are West Ham pod at gmail.com. Links to all the ways that you can follow us and contact we are West Ham are included in the description to this podcast below. And don't forget, you can buy us a beer or support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestam if you so wish. Coming up on this week's show, we'll have Wolves reaction next in part two. We'll have a chat about Thursday's game against Rapid Vienna away, which will have no West Ham fans there. Unfortunately, we'll do the Betway charity bets. We'll have the Manchester City opposition view the West Ham women's section before we say goodbye for another week loads to cover exciting show thanks for joining us again stay with us for all of that next well Josie I'm afraid to tell you mate that 
no more shed uh, baby and Barcelona chat, I'm afraid. We're going to have to talk about football, even though it's not what the listeners are here for. Uh, I feel like as we market ourselves as a West Ham podcast, we probably should talk about our most recent game. I know those listening will be nice and disappointed. Uh, nice and disappointed? Can you be nice and disappointed, Jonesy? I want to call out my own weird uh, phraseology every now and then, but I, I don't know if you can be can you be nice and disappointed. Yeah, yeah I suppose you could, yeah. I can't I mean, think of any... I mean, you could you could be a nice person but still be disappointed about something. No, but you know, like when the phrase is like, "Oh yeah, I'm I was I was nice and warm." That's the that's the the most famous one. I was nice and warm. The two go hand in hand, don't they? I was nice and disappointed. Unless you're just like a proper proper dour person, generally, just quite happy to um, be disappointed yeah, about something. That, at, at that's what you like. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you're like support like if you really enjoy and support in South End United at the moment or whatever it's like yeah I was nice and disappointed again on Wednesday as we lost 5-0 <laughs> for the 18th week in a row or whatever it is uh, alright fair enough well look um, <laughs> I don't even know I'm, uh, I don't even know what I meant it was stupid what I was talking about anyway for goodness sake let's talk about Wolves we lost 1-0 Raul Jimenez scored the winner hasn't uh, hit the sort of heights uh, as he did before he had that awful Skull injury that he picked up uh, at Arsenal some time ago now, but he scored a nice goal at the weekend uh, for Wolves. But let's look at it from a West Ham point of view. We touched on it briefly in the introduction, but it seemed, from what I've seen, Jonesy, the stats and and some of the write-ups that I've read afterwards, that we had the early running and up till about approximately 20 minutes, then Wolves took over. Uh Seemed a bit annoying from the highlights I saw. It looked like Jared Bowen should have scored at the beginning of the game and at the end. And we'll ask Catherine Batt from the Daily Mail, who joins us to talk about the West Ham women later. We'll ask her about Jared Bowen because she is a huge Bowen fan. But yeah, it just seemed like we didn't create too much other than that. It seemed like a bit of a dour game, to be honest, mate. The stats didn't make for majorly compelling reasons. As I said, I was uh, watching the West Ham game um, and all I had to go on in the bar in, in Barcelona was I was just looking at the stats and West Ham sort of raced ahead in the shots on target race early doors. I thought, ah, oh, here we go. Um, but yeah, by, by the end of proceedings, um, Wolves had the, the up hand Wolves 15 shots to West Ham's eight. Five of Wolves were on target, just three of West Ham's were. Wolves had the lion's share of possession with 53%. Um, yeah, all the corners just West Ham nine fouls to their six. One of those things, Jonesy, that uh, it seemed like realistically they they probably deserve to win the game. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I don't think anyone can have any complaints. It probably our our worst performance of the season. Um, I think some of us may have seen it coming. I think David Moyes hinted in his post-match press conference that he almost saw it coming a little bit. You know. It, admitted that we can't, as I said before, we can't be playing so well as we have done every single week. We're not that level yet. Um, but yeah, Wolves were, were worthy winners. We weren't, you know, we did create a couple of chances, as you mentioned, Bowen had a couple of sitters, but you know, um, yeah, as I said before, kind of almost kind of indifferent to it. Like it's like sometimes you just got to accept it, haven't you? That, you know, particularly in the position that we're in at the moment where We've just beaten Liverpool. Um, 
a lot of people would have expected us to go to Wolves and also get a result, but it was on the back of a two week two week break, players are a little bit leggy. Um yeah, I think I don't think I've got got many complaints over it to be honest. And um I don't think it's gonna it's not one of those games that's gonna define the season. No, no, and a bit, you know, look, and I, I was gonna leave this till a little bit later in the segment. And we've been really good at this this season, on the podcast, I mean. Uh, and fans in general have, to be fair. And I think it's easier to do that when you're winning and you're playing well. But let's contextualise it. We would have definitely taken three points from Liverpool at home and Wolves away, wouldn't we? 100%. Yeah, yeah. If someone had offered us that before, <clears throat> and as excuse me, as has happened a couple of times this year, well, it, the points haven't perhaps come from the games that we think or we thought they were going to. But they have come, and the the defeats at, at Manchester, the defeats at the hands of Manchester United and Brentford, were ones that they were last minute goals. But we won either side of them, didn't they? Didn't we? Um, and we'd have rather take. We said we'd rather win a game and then lose one than draw two, uh, because obviously your points totals better. And I think it's the same with with where Liverpool and Wolves. We'd have rather beaten. Uh, won one and lost one. And if you'd given me the choice, I would have said I'd much rather beat Liverpool than Wolves if, if it was three points from from the two that we were going to get. So I think obviously it's not, not a nice feeling or reason to celebrate after a defeat. However, I think given the context in the season in which it's come and and all those those other things, uh, you know, I... I I haven't got any complaints, really. Like, same as you, really. It's, it's irritating, and by the looks of it, we probably it was a bit of a dour game that we could have got a point out of. But you know, what are you going to do? Um, we didn't seem to create too much. Declan Rice, Kurt Zuma didn't look happy towards the end. You mentioned Moyes' comments, Jonesy. Um, what was sort of you? You'll be able to shed, or I hope, shed some light on the post-match stuff a little bit more. Somewhat out of uh, out of action on. Stayed away from Twitter. Just wanted to enjoy the weekend a bit, particularly after we lost. So I wasn't on Twitter. Uh, didn't have too much time to to sort of see any of the post-game stuff. What was the feeling, particularly from from Moyes first of all? But then we'll go on to the the fans afterwards. But what was the gist of it from Moyes after the game then? Well, Moyes, I mean, he's always very, very honest about about the performance after any game. Even um, what I like about him a lot is that even when we win, he he will kind of rather than get carried away, he'll go, "Well, no, there's still some bits of that, that I didn't enjoy." I think the, mm. the, the win at Villa, um, as comprehensive as it was in terms of a four-one scoreline, um, he was quite vocal in the fact that you now there, there there were moments in that game where I wasn't happy about the performance. Um, and he was he was very similar uh, about the Wolves game, and the, the, I've got one of his quotes here. He said, um, "I think I think he was asked about um, the uncharacteristic performance of the team given the form that we've been in, and and he said, if you expect us to be on every game, then we'll be having these questions quite a bit because we're not at the level yet to play at the highest standards every single game this season." Um, and I think mm. that it kind of just bring brings everyone back down to earth a little bit and goes, "Look, you know, okay, we're having a good season." We've had a bit of a bump in the road, but you know we're going to get bumps in the road. We're going to lose the odd game here and there, um, and that's absolutely fine to do so. You know, um, he was very, very honest, and I think it just shows that there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, with, as I said, and, and as he said, we, we can't expect us to just to go out there and 
put on an incredible performance each week. And, and even when we put, do put in incredible performances, there's no, still no guarantee we're going to win games. Um, you know, we could we could put an absolute superb performance against Man City at, on, on Sunday and still not come away with all three points. It's probably likely that we won't. Um, so we need to be realistic about that. Moyes is very realistic in every every um, press conference he does. That's what that's what I like about it, actually is that he does so he does such a good job of kind of grounding everyone and kind of after a big result he'll go well right, right okay it's a good it's a good win. Um, but let's just slow down a little bit. Um, and I think that's kind of helped keep everyone a little bit level-headed during the last, what, 18 months where it's all gone a little bit like, oh, my God, what the hell's going on here? Like, suddenly, West Ham are absolutely massive. Um, <laughs> it's little reminders after you lose one new away at Wolves. It's like, well, yeah, we're massive, but um, these things are going to happen. And um, Even to massive teams, yeah. Even to massive teams. I mean, it happened to... Uh, a not so massive team in in Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? When they when they lost to a bigger club in, in to in plucky West Ham, little so. West Ham, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, the referee, according to most of their fans yeah, on Twitter, yeah, yeah, anti football and their it? manager, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, goalkeeper forgot to catch the ball for ninety minutes, but is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think I think what he says is bang on, and um, I'm confident. I've said it before. I said it earlier. I'm confident that you know he's got the mentality in the squad just right that they'll be able to bounce back nicely this weekend. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, mate. Look, I, you know, I think you're right about Moisey. It's obviously helps that um, that the way that the results just make everything look and sound better, don't they? And you go, yeah, yeah. He knows what he's talking about. He's bang on all the time because for the majority of the season we've been winning. Um, so yeah, but I agree. I, 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 honestly, you think of who we're going up against. We got that result against Liverpool. The money they pour in to their their team and their squad and all that sort of thing. Um, and we're chatting to to David Mooney later from the Blue Moon podcast, and no doubt we'll speak to him about the the sort of financial irregularity or the the lack of level playing field and all that sort of thing. Um, because that's part of the conversation now, isn't it? Uh, it sort of does take away from the, the suggestion that is sport a little bit. But that's why, and we've mentioned the word organic before, that's why no one is, other than perhaps Tottenham fans or uh, Liverpool fans, it seems, are really begrudging what West Ham are doing at the moment because it's pretty organic and pretty unsurprising, isn't it? I and mean, that's why we said that when Newcastle inevitably do something, no one's going to be like, whooping and weighing or like feeling really good about it are they because mm. it'd be like yeah okay well yeah the your billions of pounds of state oil money um yeah that's going to happen you're going to improve as a result of that but ours is just good management uh some prudent buys in the in the market as well and and gathering a team spirit and a group of players who really want to be at the club and play for the club so yeah, I'm I'm totally with you, mate, and I agree with the Moisey comments afterwards. What did you uh, again steered clear of Twitter? What was the what was the fan reaction like after the game? Not just on Twitter, but that's obviously a good um, place that a lot of us gauge it amongst your mates and and on Twitter as well. And what was the fan reaction like that you saw after the match? Well, it's funny because the majority of fans I saw tweeting about the game were kind of like disappointed. And kind of like, oh, you know, that's, that's annoying. We've been on such a good run. It would be nice to keep it going a little bit longer. 
Um, I think it was it would have been nine games unbeaten had we had we not lost um, in all competitions. But there, I saw some fans going, "Oh, you know, they're like, having to go at other fans for being sort of really kind of panicky and almost a little bit irrational about the the result." But I never saw right. any from fans. I didn't see any anyone go, "Oh, you know, this, this is this is pathetic or this is ridiculous." You know, no direct replies, just saying on statuses or tweeting randomly. Yeah, just, like, yeah. people. People just going, oh, I can't believe the reaction of some of our fans. Like, it's, no, we, you know, we can't win every week, sort of thing. And so, um, but I didn't see anything direct on my timeline. Um, it's probably because I've blocked half of them because people. <laughs> well, but yeah, I, I, I think generally the feeling is mutual amongst ninety-nine percent of the fan base is that you know, yeah, okay, it's disappointing that we've lost the football match, but we haven't lost many this season. Um, it won't be the last game we lose, but yeah, it's just like as long as we bounce back, um, keep pushing on, continue, you know, have relatively good form, then you know, it, it is what it is. And I think that's been the, the feeling amongst all my friends. A couple of my mates went, they were like, Yeah, didn't deserve to win that. Fine, hmm. move on, yeah, move um, on. yeah, like as I said before, like I think just fans are kind of almost indifferent to it and I can't remember the last time I ever felt like that after a defeat I kind of almost just like oh well get on with my day whereas before yeah, losing, yeah, yeah. losing would ruin my day and this time it was like oh so what we've got to do now oh, go to mm. shops or something like no, it's what it is I've got to try and put that flipping <laughs> shed up again yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well if I had something as exciting as that to move on to then <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd forget about it Pretty quickly as well. Yeah, I know what you mean, mate. And one thing I will say is all the games we've lost this season have been by one goal. Yeah. We haven't been served up by anyone, have we? Which, I mean, how long has it been since we've said that? So, and two yeah. of those came in, what, 90 plus minutes. So, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like the pragmatism, Jonesy, like the pragmatism. Um, I don't think it's, I think it's going to be a while till we lose our heads on the We Are Sam podcast. Uh, James, Mikel Antonio, obviously not, again, it feels like it's not loads to cover in this game. Uh, obviously, Declan Rice had an illness, which meant he missed the international break. Moyes has since said that he was really ill for the Liverpool game. You certainly wouldn't know because he played absolutely fantastically that game. Um Moyes made some comments after the game about Mikel Antonio, I believe. Again, you forgive me for uh, for missing them, but sort of seemed to suggest that the international break, he went away with Jamaica, scored twice, did well, but he seemed to suggest that that travelling and the exertions there had somewhat of an impact on him. Is that what you made of it? Yeah, and it's not surprising, really. Um, there's a player that struggles with injury. Um has done so well so far this season to stay fit. And then, but now he's swallowing off an international duty to Jamaica, which he can't begrudge him for because, you know, he's waiting so long for a chance at international level. Um, scored an absolute screamer. Um, but it, when you've got a player that plays for a country that you know, means travelling, you know, thousands of miles around the world to play two games of football and then back again three days late to play a game in the Premier League, Again, it's very similar to the former whole team. You're going to have off days. There's going to be days where he's not going to be up for it. And uh, particularly like Antonio, where you're relying on being him being 100% fit 
at all times in order to get the absolute best out of him. If he's not 100% fit, then it shows straight away. Yeah. Um, and Moise said exactly the same thing. He said that he's got to be he's got to be 100% fit at all times, otherwise we're not going to get the best out of him. I've got him here, mate. David Moyes said after the Wolves game, I think he needs to get himself, Mikel Antonio, this is, I think he needs to get himself into real good condition because he thrives when he is physically in top condition. We've tried to protect him. We've not used him too many times in European games. We've tried to do that because we're trying to keep him fit for Premier League games especially, but we will find a way. Um you know, and I think it, it. I think Mick will know that when he's really on it, he's a real handful. But today, he was not really as good as he has been. Uh, yeah, it says here, centre forwards often go through spells of no goals. We know there are a few to come soon. He is fit, but for Mick, he always needs to be super fit. Really, uh, that seems. Again, for for football managers these days, they don't say sort of out and out he's never going to go, yeah, he's in awful condition. That's about as close as it gets, it would seem, to he needs to be fitter than he is. His physical condition needs to get better. Whether that's a little dig about the Jamaica stuff, I don't know. He didn't seem to be overly happy. But again, you're not going to begrudge him that, oh, yeah, if he wants to go and play for Jamaica, mate, it's every player's right or whatever. It is, isn't it? Let's not let's, let's not get it yeah. wrong here. I, yeah, yeah. It, He's ne- he hasn't played international football for most of his time at West Ham. Uh, he probably could have had a shout, I reckon, at a time or two with England, but never happened for whatever reason. He um, can't begrudge him, like you said. But what, what do you think that is? Do you think, again, reading between the lines, do you think that's a, he needs to be working harder and eating better or doing some things differently in training and with West Ham? Or do you think that's a... Well, if he's going to go and play with Jamaica, this will happen, and he's only really good when he's in tip-top condition. So, what? What? How do you read it? I think it might be a bit of both. I think, I think also some of it is just purely the fact that you know when he's not 100% fit, um, or he's a little bit tired after travelling thousands of miles after the plan for Jamaica, then the risk of injury to him. Uh, increases tenfold, probably more than it would any other player. And I think maybe he's alluding to the fact that, you know, this is a player that we are heavily relying upon, who mm. also... Which isn't, isn't Antonio's fault. No, it's not his fault, but it also isn't very reliable on um, when it comes to his fitness and injury record. Um, again, not his fault. Um, mm. And I think I think he's probably there's probably two or three ways you could spin it. Um, and that being the other one in that, you know, I think he just if, if he's 100% fit and he's, he's super fit, as Moyes says, then that's when you get the best out of him because he's he, he's no he's not on that borderline of potentially tweaking a hamstring or, or, you know, a thigh strain or something like that because he's 100% super fit. And I think maybe that's what he's hinting at is that, you know, if we keep him at that, that in that condition, then we reduce the risk of him missing a few games for injury. Mm. Um, well, look, but then it does also then it's just another stark reminder that <laughs> we need desperately to bring another one in in, in in January so that you know Antonio can have these poor or these you know these off games and these little spells where he's not scoring or he's a little bit tired um, and it's less of a worry it's less David Moyes is less under pressure to um, to address it in 
in press conferences because don't worry, we've got a backup here ready to come in and, and, and fill in when, it, when he's not 100%. And it's a bit of competition as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, look, yeah. Jonesy, I'm not, I'm not being funny, mate, but I think it just shows what peak physical condition I'm in because I've travelled 1,414 miles uh, from London to Barcelona and back from Saturday, returned on Tuesday, and within 24 hours turnaround, I'm producing a podcast to the same high levels that people are used to from me. So I, I think to, to sort of make all this conversation into a little bit more of a succinct summary is to say I am in better condition than, than Mikhail Antonio. You're kidding yourself. I mean, we're talking, you know, I mean, you were spluttering through your, uh, your, opening, your opening lines earlier. Um, so yeah, not quite hundred percent from you tonight, mate. Not quite hundred percent. I'm just uh, just picturing you after the podcast doing a press conference. Uh, yeah, so uh, James, what, what what do you you know? Will Will wasn't quite up to his usual standards this week. What, what do you think that is? Well, we just need him to be super fit. And uh, four days on the booze in Barcelona is just he needs to be better than that. He really for if he wants to be hitting the levels that we need him for because we haven't got a backup host. <laughs> if, he want, if he wants to be hitting those levels every week, um, you know, we, he needs to be doing better than that. Fortunately, I'm not an international uh, standard drinker slash holiday, holidayer slash partier. So uh, you haven't got the... I might start doing that actually, mate. Just going to Jamaica for like four days before podcasts and then putting you right under pressure. So you're forced to bring someone in in January, but the We Are Stand podcast budget might not stretch to it. Could they? I mean, I'm sure there'd be someone out there on the market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, mate. I just might not be willing to do it for such abject wages as me, though. That's the only problem. Well, <laughs> anyway. I mean, it's the game we're in, isn't it? I mean, we're, uh, we're, 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 we're edging towards the big leagues, but... No, sometimes you just got to work, work a little bit harder in the, in the lower leagues to, to get where you want to get to. Get get super fitter. That's the thing. That's all I need to do. Right, okay. I uh, I understand where you're coming from, Mr. Jones, just like Antonio does about Mr. Moyes, I'm sure. Uh, another load of incoherent waffle from me there tells me that it's time to move on. That was the Wolves' reaction. A little bit disappointing. Put it in context. We beat Liverpool at home and lost the Wolves away. Three points from those two fixtures at the beginning of the season or even before the Liverpool home game, you'd have taken it. Happy days. Onwards and upwards. Two games this week. Rapid Vienna and then Man City. We'll look ahead to the Vienna game next. James Jones, we're recording this week's podcast a little bit later, as we've already mentioned on Wednesday night. As a result, West Ham have arrived in Vienna already. Footage coming out from friends of the podcast, Tom Clark from Football.London and Jack Russell from The Evening Standard. Uh, tweets and videos coming out from them. They're based in Vienna. One of the lucky few got to go, unlike us lot. Uh, Tom Clark posted a video earlier on of the squad having a look around the stadium. Uh, the pitch looks a little bit moody, I think is the best uh, <laughs> the best phrase to use. A little bit patchy. Uh, but the stadium, Josie, frankly, it's just made me a little bit more annoyed and frustrated than I was last week about the fact we're not going. Although the quick turnaround... Uh, on boozy European weekends away uh, may have been a little bit too much for me 
<laughs> Tuesday match from Barcelona, up and away uh, in the air to Vienna on Thursday morning. But no, I am very disappointed that we're not able to go over there and support the team. Uh, the Jack Rosser confirmed that Mikel Antonio has not travelled with the West Ham squad. David Moyes decided to leave him behind, but he's not injured. Is uh, That's what's come from Jack this afternoon. Uh, good decision. It's been been the story for pretty much all the, the Europa League games so far. He's barely barely featured. I think he featured in the first one. It was Zagreb, wasn't it? Yeah. It was yeah, Zagreb. he scored scored the opener, and um, yeah, I think don't think he's, I think it's barely featured since, if if at all. Uh, I think that's it's worked it's worked out well. To be fair, you know, we've not really needed him, um, and it's kept him fit for for the Premier League. So it is. I think it's a good decision. I think what we only need, I think a, a point. To guarantee winning the group, I think there there is relative confidence that we'll we'll get that point. If we don't get it on Thursday, then we'll get it at home against Zagreb on the 9th of December. So, I think it's a good decision. We've got players in that squad that that can step in at that level. You know, Bowen's done it. Um, I think you might, Yarmolenko might get a game. So, yeah, it's a good decision. I'd rather him be be fit and raring to go for. For, for City on Sunday, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, you mentioned uh, when we saw the footage, Alex Kral's there, but I don't know what the point of that is. A um, little bit schneider from you. Not a dig at Alex Kral at anything. all. It's more of a dig at the fact that he's like... But David Moyes. Yeah, it's just uh, he's, he's on the bench every week. Just, mate, stick him on for 10 minutes, see what he's up to. Um, Patience. Jonesy, patience. Yeah, just like, I mean, had COVID a few weeks back, and you know, fair enough. But before then, I, I didn't really see much of an excuse. I thought, brought a player on loan, let's use him. Showed showed good signs in the United Cup game. Let's see what it's all about. Let's rotate the squad a little bit more. Let's you know, let's give give Deck a rest. Bless him. Um, yeah, but hopefully he gets a start against Vienna. I'd like to think so. He's on the plane. If you're going to take more over there and not use him. What's the point? David Sullivan could have saved some money. Perhaps he just gets his air miles up or something. Perhaps he's yeah, got maybe. that fr- frequent flyer bonus and he, yeah. or he just likes getting the stamps in his passport. Um, what are your thoughts on the game, James? Again, it's uh, we won't do it in too much detail this week because a um, bit of a quick turnaround. This podcast will go out on Wednesday night and by the time most of you listen to it, the game might even have been played already or it'll be within a few hours. So... Not in too much detail. The game at London Stadium. I mean, it was it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. West Ham with a better side. You you seem quite confident we're going to pick up the required point. It just feels a little bit flat now, mate. Now we're not going. It just feels like meh, and there's just a little bit of a grey cloud about it. And all I hope is that the that that we just get the point and get out of there. I hope that sort of negative feeling doesn't start to snowball into something else and then we don't get the result we need and then you're relying on the last game. It'd be nice for the last one at London Stadium to be more of like a celebration, wouldn't it? And a chance, more importantly, to rest up lots of players. Um, yeah, but I've just got, a, I don't know, that it's just left all the, the events of, of the last week have just left a little bit of a, a bitter taste in, in my mouth. I, I, and I think, you know, just the uh, the ease with which you we covered it already. We don't have to do it again, but the ease with which UEFA 
and obviously the club sort of accepted it begrudgingly because the evidence was so clear cut. But I just think it's not just us. I've heard plenty of fans um, who I know have been left out of pocket. Ours, fortunately enough, we got the hotel money back um, and not out of pocket as far as tickets go. So that's okay as well. Five hundred quid for the tour. Five hundred forty-eight pound. I know we booked a bit later, so we're risking it anyway. Five hundred forty-eight quid is what we're going to lose out on the flights. Uh, and I think, understandably, for us and and for a lot of supporters, I, I'll be honest, mate. I feel worse about it this week than I did last week. I, I think I don't know if it had sunk in properly, or perhaps because it's now when we would be going, we'd be doing this, getting ready to go tomorrow. I was excited to interview fans in the street and and go to an away game with you, which me and you have never done before. I, none of that had sunk in last week. And I think now it's come round, I, I feel a little bit more like, <sighs> like downbeat about it all. I know what you're saying. I think for me, I mean, I'd, I was absolutely buzzing to get over there. Now I've got the week off work, right, first half of the week, get a few little bits done that I need to do, build that shed. Um, and then spend a second half of the week gallivanting into Austria with, with you, mate, and, and having a good time. But the disappointment's been eased a little bit by the fact Austria have now gone into lockdown. So we wouldn't have been able to go anyway. Um, there's going to be no yeah. fat ground at all. It's going to be behind closed doors because they're in lockdown now. Initially, it was lockdown just for unvaccinated people. Um, yeah, 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 sure. Which is a story for another podcast on another that, day. No, but that, that's made it worse, mate. That's made Mental. it worse. Um, I'd rather then, that not happened. I wanted to be going out there still. Well, I mean, we, we would have still been going out there had they kept that rule, but there was such uproar that they decided, oh, okay, fair enough, we'll, uh, we'll lock everyone down instead. It's like, no, 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 just, just <laughs> at least for a couple of days. I mean, I don't agree with the whole locking down unvaccinated people at all, but no. um, ruined the holiday. But um, yeah, 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 exactly. Come on, yeah, come on, come on, guys. Could have done it. Could have done it a month later. But yeah, it's it softened the blow a little bit for me because we wouldn't be able to go anyway. Um, yeah, okay, we left out of pocket, but you know, to be when we watch it, like the fact that there'd be no fans in the ground, it'd have been worse seeing all the home fans in there, um, and then no no away fans. But yeah, it is what it is. We um. We'll just have I mean, to. But the, 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 it's the, not worst... even, the not even going has made it worse. The lockdown. Yeah. Like, since we last spoke, we were sort of pretty sure we were still going to go out there, have a good time. Um, you know, meet up with some West Ham fans, talk about it. It would have been good, and we'd have made the best of it, and we'd have still had a, a good, some good memories and a yeah. weekend away in Vienna and the game that wasn't. But now it's just like, yeah, fan ban, which is. Like that, that was bad and that was annoying. That wasn't very good, but it didn't mean that we couldn't go to Vienna anymore. Now it's mm. like, oh, lockdown as well. I mean, we're technically still good, which is what's annoying uh, because flipping Ryanair are refusing to give any money back because the flight's still running and the flight's still operational. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, well, can you do us a favour and cancel it, please? Because then we can, we can have our money it's back. The thing is, though, they won't cancel it. They'll just send an empty plane over to Austria for the day. Yeah. Because no one's going to be on it, and then that way, then they've got their money, right? They've made their profits for that flight. Um, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's what airlines do. I mean, I would, I don't really blame them to be fair, but I oh, mean, um, come on. I mean, on, yeah. I mean, I don't blame, I don't, I don't agree with it, but I don't blame them for doing it. 
It's not very good for the environment, is it? Well, of course not, but um, for us, but yeah, <laughs> definitely not for us. But yeah, uh, it's frustrating because I'm not going to the the Zagreb game on the ninth because it's Harrison's birthday that that day. Mm. So um, that's the end of my group stage journey for me. Uh, just looking forward to the knockouts now. We'll have to make sure we get to an away one then, mate. Mm, yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I was hoping we might get a little voucher back from from Ryanair. And I know, right, anyone listening going, it's Ryanair, what did you expect? I know, I know, I know. Uh, but my vast, vast experience with them are okay. Cheap and cheerful. You get what you pay for, but it's nice and easy. The app works nicely. Blah, blah, blah. Normally, happy days. And foolish and naively that I've rang them up twice this week <laughs> and the responses have got ruder and ruder each time. So at the first one, it was, I am really sorry. Like understand your predicament. Like wait, we might still cancel the flight, blah, blah, blah. And then the second one today, it was like, ah, oh, you know, Carlton just at least just give me the money back. We'll still use it on Ryanair flights or at least let us change them for free. They wouldn't even let us do that. I looked, uh, I was going to go to Vienna in like January, go skiing or whatever. The flights I was looking for, uh, I can buy them now for £8, right? And the £8 out there, £10 back, which is, is no money anyway. And uh, But they wanted €40 Euros for each flight to change it. So they wouldn't even let me change the 500 quid flights to flights that would have been worth about 40 quid for nothing. Absolute farcical, mate. Um, but yeah, so I mean, all of that's true. So they won't be able to sue me <laughs> but yeah ridiculous stuff i think i'm more annoyed that we're not going <laughs> jonesy but never mind never mind as far as the game goes then reasonably confident james yeah i think so yeah um i think we're yeah we've been more than good enough even with a second string to to go out there and and get all three points and i'd like to see us get all three points yeah slight disappointment with the gent game where we Scored that own goal late on to, to stop it being uh, maximum points. But yeah, I fancy, us, I fancy us on Thursday there to come away all three points and, and top spot. Top, yeah, say that again. Top spot in the bag. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And put all this torrid mess behind us once and for all, I think. Uh, and yeah, look forward to, to that. Um, the knockout stage away fixture. I think it's, and mate, if it's at Barcelona, I know where we're going beforehand as well. Happy so. Happy days. Uh, Rapid Vienna, Thursday night uh, in Austria. Fingers crossed we can get the points there. Stay with us because it's Betway Charity Bets next. Jonesy, no Wolves winners last week for the Betway Charity Bets. Me, you and Reese Bayliss had our selections for our West Ham charities. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. You are playing for the DT38 Dylan Tombini's Foundation. And Reese Bayliss is, of course, playing for Isla's Fight. No wins uh, against Wolves, as tends to happen when West Ham lose, because none of us ever back a West Ham Defeat, uh, I went for draw at half-time, West Ham at full-time, which looked to be on, drawing at half-time. I thought, oh, here we go. Went for both teams to score and Pablo four nows anytime. Even when Jimenez put Wolves 1-0 up, I thought, well, this is still on. Who knows? And then, uh, yeah, I believe, I may be completely incorrect here. Um, yeah, I believe four nows got taken off in the second half. If, if, if I'm wrong, forgive me. Uh, but yeah, it soon uh, went to pot. So no winners for me last week. Jones, can you remind everyone what you and Reese went for? 
So I had West Ham win, so it didn't happen. Ben Ryan ran me time and Bowen any time. So, yeah, no chance. I mean, Bowen could have got that win for me, but it wouldn't have mattered either way, I don't think. Um, and Reese penalty to, penalty to be awarded. Still waiting for that one. Uh, Suchek any time and over two and a half goals. So, again, not a single result. Yeah, no, <laughs> not one of our best weeks, was it? That's for sure. No. This week, no. um, Reese, uh, sorry, Reese James, of course, mean, yeah, Pablo Fonalzi did. I was right, got subbed off after 59 minutes, uh, literally just a minute after uh, Wolves had scored. So, yeah, double whammy for me on that one. Uh, Manchester City, West Ham travel to the Etihad Sunday afternoon at two o'clock, speaking to David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast next. But as far as the Betway charity bets go, James, uh, what have you gone for this week? So, I've gone for draw, uh, but both teams to score, and I've gone Jared Bowen to score any time, um, make up for his couple of misses against Wolves, and we've got the odds for them this week. Yeah, I know, um, it's because we left it so late. Because we've left it so late, Chad sent the, bit, uh, the odds in earlier, so that one is 20 to 1 for that. Draw, both teams to score, Bowen any time, that's 20 to 1 with Betway. Mate, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal odds, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll... For a draw, both like if we're going to score, Jared Bowen's up there, isn't he? That yeah. sort of player will do well against City. Yeah, Most, oh, mate, I, I I think that's I think that's a good one. I'll be backing that uh, myself. I think this week, uh, my bet, Jonesy, is both teams to score no, uh, draw at half time, and over nine or more than nine point five corners in the game. Uh, just haven't got a clue what the score's going to be, mate. Obviously, don't like backing uh, against West Ham. But I think it's going to be basically 1-2-0 or two nil to some. I think if West Ham are going to win, it's going to be a 1-0. Um, there could be a random 0-0 in there as well. It covers that. So, that's why I've gone draw at half-time. So, I fancy it to be a cagey first half. I honestly just didn't have a clue what to go for this week. So, I thought I'd go for something a little bit more dry. Um, and that is 13 to two. So six and a half to one, basically on that one. So that's both teams to score no draw at half time and more than 9.5 corners in a game. And James, you can tell us what Reese has gone for. Uh, Reese has gone penalty to be awarded again. He's still waiting for that one. Um, over five and a half corners. And Jared Bowen, sorry time. to interrupt you, mate. I think that's over 5.5 West Ham corners he's gone for. Is it West Ham corners? Um, uh, that... I believe so, yeah. So, penalty awarded, more than 5.5 West Ham corners and Jared Bowen any time. That would make sense, given the odds for this one are a massive 50 to 1. 50 to 1, eh? 50 to 1 for that one. That's got to be the corners, isn't it? Because I had a quick peek yeah. at the corner stats for West Ham's game against City in the Cup and it was 9-2 to Manchester City. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, West Ham getting six or more corners at the Etihad is very, very unlikely, isn't it? Yeah. So, big 50 to one. I'm definitely going to have a fiver on that, though, I think. 
Yeah, you can't avoid that, can you? That's uh, just a reminder there, Jonesy, that uh, you listening at home can back these bets for real. If you so wish, on the Betway website and app, just go to the West Ham v Manchester City game for this weekend and go to pre-built bets. And under there, you'll find the We Are West Ham podcast selections. They'll have my name, James's name and Reese's against the uh, appropriate bets. And you'll be able to back all three of those individually or all three have separate bets on them if you so wish for real if you like the sound of any one of those i think jonesy i've got a really good feeling i think there's a winner in now i mean reese is 50 to 1 is a long shot but you never know i think bowen has got a good a chance as any of scoring he's he's in good form this season he missed a couple at wolves but he's still in those positions which is good um, yeah, I, I, I think there's money to be made for our charities this week and by extension, uh, if, if the fans want to back them for real on the Betway website and app, they can do. I think there's money to be made there as well. Exciting stuff, James, and we'll hear from David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast next. So let him, for him to let us know if he thinks they've got any chance of winning. <laughs> Lads, it's fair to say winter has arrived. It's getting colder. It's probably going to snow any minute now. And thoughts are beginning to turn to Black Friday and, of course, Christmas. Well, if you're looking for a bargain upgrade to your male grooming routine or know someone that seriously needs a bit of a tidy up, then our partners, Manscaped, have the perfect gifts to put that right with a whole host of impressive products we think you just need to have. What's more, you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the code WeAreWestHam at Manscaped.com. That's WeAreWestHam at Manscaped.com. With Black Friday later this week, Cyber Monday coming up fast and Christmas just around the corner. Now is the perfect time to get yourself the gift of shaving. I'm talking about the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, Boxers, a travel kit and liquid formulations. Yeah, for those who don't know, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts and even as a light to help with all those little dark spots down below. And then there's the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer with its proprietary skin safe technology that helps to prevent nicks, snags and tugs. And also in the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 is the Crop Preserver, which is a spray that protects against chafing, the Crop Reviver, which will ensure things down there remain fresh at all times. And then there's the foot duster, which will make even the ugliest of feet look and smell lovely and much, much more. And to top it all off, you even get a shed travel bag so that you can carry all your precious Manscaped products in style everywhere you go. Will, any products in particular that you got your eye on? James, it's got to be the travel bag for me, mate, to be honest. All those products sound great. We've tried out a few of them already. The Lawnmower 4.0 is superb. Even the Weed Whacker for the nose and ear tremor is great but the uh, the travel bag for me as you know i like to uh, jet set around the planet as much as i can been a little bit more difficult in recent times but i've been able to get back to it a little bit more so yeah having the little bag with all my manscape products inside would be absolutely perfect yeah i agree same same for me mate um i don't travel as often as you but i do need a new travel bag um and now i've got shiny new weed whacker and the lawnmower 4.0 i need someone to put it in i need someone to carry it around and, and feel proud about what i've got but i've also got my eye on the the foot duster 
because my feet are notoriously very ugly. Um, <laughs> so anything anything that has the potential to spruce them up a little bit, uh, I'm all for. So I've got my eyes on those. But happy days, mate. So to get your hands on the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 and to see all the other lovely male grooming products they have on offer, head over to manscaped.com today and remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code We Are West Ham. That's 20% off and free shipping. With the code We Are West Ham, it's all one word. We Are West Ham at manscaped.com. It's time to join the Manscaped movement, and these products are no joke. So, Betway Charity Bets there, looking to get some money in the bag for those three fantastic West Ham United charities that me and the boys are playing for this season and hopefully might be able to give us a little bit of an insight into whether he thinks they'll come in or just about how the game is going to go down at the Etihad on Sunday. I'm delighted to say that joining us on the podcast is David Mooney from the Blue Moon Pod. David, brilliant to have you with us. Thanks so much for joining us. First of all, I'm not going to talk about the game this weekend. I'm not going to talk about anything uh, that we normally cover with City fans. What I want to talk about, first of all, is a little bit of a look back. Uh, Manchester City were on the end of their first Carabao Cup or League Cup <laughs> defeat in five years at the hands of West Ham. Uh, what seems like ages ago now, but not too long ago. A dramatic one at the London Stadium, a superb occasion uh, for us Hammers fans. What was the feeling like? Uh, for you and, and among City fans afterwards, because from what we saw and we commented on the pod, they were all very gracious and, if anything, happy to, if they were going to lose, it was against uh, the Hammers. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I, I, I don't know if this, if this meme has carried over to, to the West Ham side of things, but there's kind of like the, you know, the handshake emoji that goes around uh, on Twitter. We kind of have that, but like West Ham Chester City. I don't know, I, I don't know why that, <laughs> that, that thing has taken off, but there does feel to be this really nice connection between the two teams. Um, and you're right, if, if anybody was going to knock us out of the, uh, the Carabao Cup, then, you know, kind of glad it's West Ham and, you know, kind of hope they go on and win it now. It's like, that's the, that's the sort of level we're at. Um, yeah, it was. It, it was. It, it's really, really strange to say this because most teams look at look at the League Cup and the Carabao Cup and go, "Well, that's just. It's just the most pointless cup in the in in the country. Nobody takes it seriously." Um, and we all kind of took. We all kind of fell for it and fell in love with it because it's like it doesn't make any sense. It's got three handles and doesn't look like it's like it's it's, it's a weird competition. Uh, you get two legs in the semi-final for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Um, it's over in the middle of February. Nobody wants to win it, and so City just kind of went, "Yeah, let's go on. Let's win this every season." And it's and it's a good laugh. Um, I was I was actually really disappointed that we got knocked out um, because there was the, the sponsorship Carabao came in in the year that Guardiola won his first one, and uh, those if they if they were able to win it this season and I think next season they'd have been the only ever winners of the Carabao Cup before it changed sponsorship. And I just liked that little like that, that, that little uh, thing because I like the other thing like, it's so spectacularly bad. Like even Carabao spelt their own name wrong on uh, <laughs> on, on their Twitter feed. The the draw is done at three o'clock in the morning because it's being done by you know a former footballer from Barnsley in you know in a supermarket in Thailand. It, there's 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 absolutely nothing to love about this competition. So we all go there and go yeah go on let's give it a good crack and um, and it was a it was a, a cracking game against West Ham um, and uh, one that I think I th- there's that I, th- I think the one thing that 
that City fans are good at at times is um, certainly the away following. When when we get beat and we deserve to get beat and we deserve to get beat on that night, um, I think the fans are very good at going. Yeah, the other team played very well. Let's you know give it to them. They they, they deserve the in this case the cup the cup progress, but uh, in in other cases the points. Yeah, I tell you what, we'll stick on that um, while you've mentioned it, Ed. First of all, what I find baffling, don't you think that you're the first City fan I think I've spoke to who said the competition is ridiculous and who, you know, don't think much about it. But I, I just think it's such an easy thing for football fans to say as long as they're not winning it. Yeah, yeah, it's that, that's, that, that's how imagine, st- can't you? Yeah, that, that's how stupid it is. That like, we win it every year and we still think it's daft. Like that's that that, that that's that, that's what I think that's what we love about it. Um, and I mean the, the other side of it is as well from from like Guardiola's point of view, he'll leave City and he'll go, well, look at how many trophies I've won you. Yeah, okay, mm. you know, a hundred of them with the Carabao Cup, but <laughs> like it, it still it still adds to his trophy hall. And you know, okay, you look at the last decade and we've we as City fans we've been absolutely spoiled with the with the number of of competitions we've played in and won um but you know before 2011 they'd never they'd not won a trophy in my lifetime and uh mm. you know they'd, they'd not won anything since uh, since the 70s so it, it seems awfully snobbish to turn our noses up at, comp- at at every single competition when when we were when we were being managed by Stuart Pearce in 2006 and 7 and you know not scoring at home and re- really not playing entertaining football We'd have beat your hand off for a league cup. So why should that change now? Just because we got a bit of money and won the lottery and were able to bring in all these great players to to play in the Champions League, we still we still should, you know, give each competition the respect it deserves and try and win it. Definitely. I mean, for for most Premier League clubs, and you say that about City, team, it's not like this is a thing. Oh, Burnley would give their arm. Tottenham would absolutely yeah. snap your leg off mm. to win it. So would Arsenal at the moment. Like and any of those two, West Ham definitely would. I think we're a little bit less like our fans don't pretend as much as others. We'd love to win it. A day out of Wembley and all that comes with that. The way football is these days, those days out of Wembley seem to be concentrated on uh, a few smaller groups of fans obviously get those because of the nature of the game. But I honestly, I don't really hold any credence to people who say to sneer at the Carabao Cup. I yeah. think the, the other the other thing is football fan from from a city point of view as well. It's actually the Carabao Cup is actually a more interesting competition at that yeah. stage of the season than the Champions League. Okay, this season's a little bit different because of the because of the group that City have been drawn in. But most of the time, City are drawn into a group with three teams that they should beat home and away, and they do they they get through the group fairly comfortably. They might have the odd bad result here and there. Um, but you know, like a couple of years ago, they lost to Leon in the first group game, and even then, there was absolutely no jeopardy that they were going to get out of that group. They were still going to play. You know, I can't remember who it was. Probably Shakhtar and Dinamo Zagreb and those sorts of teams, because they they seem to draw Shakhtar every single every single season apart from this one. Um, but they're still going to go to those teams. They're still they'll, they'll get enough points to get out of the group. Where the Carabao Cup, you, by the time that the Champions League gets interesting in the second half of the season. You've played the final of the Carabao Cup and you've either won it or lost it or you've been knocked out somewhere along the way. So it, 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 for the stage of the season it's in, it's actually quite an interesting competition. And you're not on that 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 kind of slog towards the long term goal of of getting into the Champions League knockout and getting it you know into the into the Premier League title race. You can you can drop points in August and, and September in the in the Premier League title race, and you, you you know that you can still be in it by by May because there's so much of it left to play. Drop you know drop a game in the Carabao Cup early on, and that's it, done and dusted. It's over. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, David, before James butts in and, and asks you about the football and what we've got coming up and, and the quality of City's team, all that sort of stuff, the usual sort of thing, you mentioned it there about City fans being quite willing after a defeat to, uh, you know, just sort of hold your hands up and go, yeah, fair enough, we were, we were beaten there. Uh, I think some parts of the West Ham fan base are, others not so much. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same it. everywhere. It's the same everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. but we're getting better. But you mentioned there is this weird, or oh, not weird, I quite I quite like it. I had an affinity for City, I think, before, um, and City fans particularly. I think there's similarities in the club, often been the smaller, but passion, uh, as in a smaller team success-wise in a major city in England, working-class fan base, and but with a large fan base who love their team and it's one of the most important things in their lives, et cetera, et cetera. I understand why uh, West Ham Man City fans got such a bond. We spoke after we because we beat Manchester City and Liverpool in quite quick succession. And the difference, and I know, and I know you can't use Twitter as a <laughs> as a window into how the world is. But let's um, do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, but here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the difference in fan reaction, particularly about the willingness of City fans to go, yeah, fair enough. That and the bitterness and whatever of from Liverpool, whilst completely ignoring any four balls or fortuitous decisions that they got themselves, was. It was like chalk and cheese, absolutely unbelievable. What what do you put that down to? Sort of mainly the uh, the West Ham and City thing, but that that sort of difference, if you like, because you get that a lot. If, like the difference yeah. between City fans, you still seem quite humble in comparison to some of your I, larger neighbours. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it's two things. First off, I wonder if it is the fact that it was the Carabao Cup and it wasn't a Premier League game. I think if it if it had been a Premier League game that you beat us in, it might the, the the feeling might have been a little bit different because despite yeah. what I said earlier, you know, every every game matters in City's hunt to kind of win the win the title these days. There was that season where Liverpool and um, and City were were on ninety eight and. And uh, 97 points, I think it was. And you, you look at that season, you think, goodness, but any drop points in that year, and like you can you can break a record for the second place and it, and and get so close to winning the league and get nothing. So I wonder if the Carabao Cup was um, thing was a uh, w- w- was part of it. Um, I also wonder if like if it's. It, I wonder if if the the sorts of fans that are more vocal on Twitter are are kind of less for for City are less kind of impact kind of cross the divide. And what I mean what I mean by that is that I wonder if uh, the vocal City fans just kind of get drowned out by uh, the ones who are much more kind of focused on what City have done wrong. There's when City have lost. There's very much. Uh, you get you get the usual factions. Oh, the referee was biased against us, or the opposition cheated in this way, or that was never <laughs> yeah, a penalty, yeah. or whatever. But there's a lot of a lot of City fans who will go, uh, well, yeah, well, Pep was just being incredibly bald and did and made this really really strange decision with the lineup, and and his tactics didn't quite work out on this. And why did he keep doing this? Why did he not just put the good player here, sort of thing? Um, and the third thing that I can kind of think of is that, you know, the worst period in City's history is still within living memory for, for pretty much nearly every City fan. Um, City's only season outside the top two flights uh, was in 98-99. Um, and I was 12, 13 at the time. Um, and I'm 34 now. So it's, you know, it's still it's 20 years ago. It's not a long time ago in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so while a lot has changed for City in the last few years, um, I think a lot of City fans still still kind of view the club in that that kind of 
oh, we're going to Macclesfield this week. We're playing Wickham <laughs> and we're playing York and all this sort of thing. And and you kind of, you, it's very hard to snap out of that mentality. There, there's sometimes when City lose, there's there's this real cognitive dissonance that you get where um, you, you go, yeah, but at least we didn't lose to Macclesfield this week. At least it was to Real Madrid. But then you go, <laughs> yeah, but the team that lost to Macclesfield hadn't had 200 million pounds spent on it you know it didn't have a bench that was worth 500 million or whatever it is so like there 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 should be levels of criticism that are allowed based on on the kind of parameters that go into the team (laughs) so i i wonder if all of that kind of builds up into this this fan base that just to be honest with you doesn't really know what to think you know i like i we we finish a game and i have so many conflicting thoughts when they've lost i don't know I, i don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore so it might it might just be all of that coming together and then on top of it you know city and west ham get on quite well as well so that, yeah. that could be it. David, you mentioned briefly earlier about a, a time in City's history when you couldn't score at home, could barely sell out the ground before the takeover. Um, it was all doom and gloom and then takeover happens. And now I associate Man City playing at home with 5-0 victories. Um, and I think that's happened already a couple of times this season. But there have also been a couple of times this season where City have been undone. Um, Southampton travelled there, got a goalless draw. Pa- uh, Palace recently won their 2-0. Um, those two games in particular, uh, have they given West Ham a bit of an insight into how to actually take points off City at, at the Etihad? Because I don't think we've done it. I think we've done it once since the takeover. Yeah, it's... Yeah, you beat us. I think you beat us on Kevin De Bruyne's debut. Um, 25, back in 2015, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that the thing we said to you is um, uh, this sounds awful. This sounds awful for you guys because uh, because I think a lot of it is down to which city turn up, and I don't think it's really what the opposition do. Um, although that being said, I think Palace and Southampton did. They were they were. They defended a lot differently to how teams like Everton and Arsenal and Norwich did. I mean, Arsenal and Norwich were woeful. Um, Everton would marginally better but not much um what palace and southampton did was they um they they didn't try and and sit deep and just block the box and, and give city no space i remember Moyes did that um with west ham i can't remember if this was that th- this was before he left west ham and came back again um but i remember i remember you came to the etihad uh, in the year that city got 100 points and uh, we won 2-1 but it was a really, really hard-fought game. We really had to, to had to battle to get the points in that game. Um, and I seem to remember Moyes not really leaving, uh, having everybody packed in the in the defence and not really leaving the box. And City found it really hard to, to kind of break mm. through. Uh, these days, when teams do that, City find it a lot easier to break through. But what they what they struggle against is teams that mark the space. So the big the big pass that City always want to make is from the one of the two centre backs into Rodri, and if that if that pass can be made, it means the centre backs can split and he can either knock it back to one of them or he can turn on it, and it just opens the pitch up for everybody to play through. What Palace and Southampton did was they they didn't press the centre backs. They 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 basically said to City, look, you have the ball. If we press you, what's going to happen is you'll you'll just pass it past us. What we'll do is we'll make sure that whoever's got the ball doesn't have the the pass on to the holding midfielder and the, and force them wide. And what City do then is they 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 go okay, we'll we'll go wide because that that pass isn't on to the middle. They knock it to to one of the wingers, and if they've got inverted wingers on the pitch, so if, if Raheem Sterling's playing on the left and Mares is playing on the right. Uh, those players want to cut inside. And so suddenly the pitch becomes very, very narrow and there's nowhere nowhere for City to go. And so they knock it back again to the fullback, who then knocks it back to the centre-back, who doesn't have the pass onto the middle, and we start again. And we just pass it around and round and round. And 
that's that's basically what happened against Southampton and, uh, and Palace. Southampton's slightly different because uh, Southampton had a lot more of the ball than Palace did. Um, and then what Palace did really effectively that Southampton were unable to do was go, OK, now you don't have a pass on. We're going to put you under a little bit more pressure. And he did it twice to Laporte. And in, in one instance, he gave the ball away and uh, Zahar scored. And in the other instance, um, uh, he couldn't catch Zahar, pulled him down, got himself sent off. And as soon as they put that little bit of pressure on, City City didn't really have any avenues to get out. And they didn't really know what to do. And it was kind of like, well, when, when Guardiola's system doesn't really work, his only answer is, well, this normally works, so we'll just keep doing this. And there are games sometimes that's that, that start and you go, City just aren't, they're just not going to score it because it just isn't working and they've started badly and it's, it's not going to get better. So if I was if I was speaking to David Moyes right now and saying, here's what you need to do to beat City, it's not pack the defence and sit deep. It's make sure that you are you know solid in, in your shape and you don't break ranks too, too easily. But when City have the ball, make sure there's no pass into the middle. Make sure that, that Rodri cannot get on the ball. As soon as Rodri gets on the ball and can accept the pressure, he has options then to pass it through and the lines can be broken. If you can cut that out, then City have a real, real problem. That's not to say that that you do that successfully and, and City will will lose or draw because they mm-hmm. they do still find a way through. Sometimes you know you get moments of magic and you you, you get little bits of luck that sort of thing. Um, but they find it a lot more difficult to actually to actually break down the opposition when that happens. Um, so my worry for this season is that West Ham look pretty pretty good when it comes to uh, taking on the big boys, and it's and I think Moyes has had a pretty good plan for these sorts of games. Um, so uh, if we could have the David Moyes that was in charge of Manchester United for this weekend, then I'd be much much happier than the one that we've got right now. You know. Speaking of that, the, which players do you think that Pep Guardiola might be keeping an eye on in the West Ham team in terms of you know potential potential to kind of harm harm his city side? Well, it, the, I think the difficulty for him is that he he over. I don't want to say he overthinks things and he over kind of estimates things, but what he does is he sees like kind of like little dangers and goes, right, I need to mitigate against that. And it will be something that, that doesn't happen. Like happens once every, every six weeks or so that that a, a player can do. And he'll go, we, we just need to make sure that that doesn't happen. And in, and in, in all his energy into making sure that doesn't happen, something mad happens on the other side of the pitch that he just hasn't accounted for. Um, and I just wish sometimes he would just relax a bit. Go, Look, you cannot control everything. So don't try and do it. Uh, that being said, um, I don't like uh, I, I don't like big physical strikers. Um, so uh, Antonio is somebody that I, I think will always cause City problems. He did uh, the one-all draw last season at, uh, at the London Stadium. I think he was he, I think he was a, a real real uh, problem for City in that game. That I, don't day, think yeah. they, I think he scored. Didn't he? I don't think they, I don't really think they got a hand on him that day. Um, and I, I think that that sort of, of presence up front concerns me. Um, and anybody with a bit with a bit of pace, I don't really know the West Ham squad that well. So anybody with a bit, a, a bit of pace that could get in behind Diaz um, could be problematic. Uh, Diaz is good; he's just very quick. David, uh, I watched your the full game against Everton on the weekend. Uh, but again, same as everyone else, I haven't watched the, a full ninety minutes of City since the the Carabao Cup game. Uh, and exactly what you said there, it just what I wondered, and, and I was chatting amongst my friends, and we were saying, I wonder if this if this ever gets boring because it seemed very much, and we know what Guardiola's like, it's very much drilled, and it's like you said, it's if this doesn't work. 
which it does 98 we, we just keep going yeah 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 exactly and and it looked to me it was just uh, uh, for a while I thought oh, this, this is just gonna be nil nil because Everton even when they conceded the first just had no interest it seemed to me they're like if we lose 2-0 here, that's all right. This is a goal difference game for us. Don't care if we get any points. Don't lose 5-0. That seemed to be the... And you must get that an awful lot. As a match guy, Manchester City fan who watches the games and has to sit and watch that for 90 minutes every week, obviously, when the majority of the time you win the game, I'm sure that softens the blow a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But just a gen- genuine inquiry which came up in normal conversation at the weekend, does it ever get a little bit tedious now and because there's all the rest of the teams looking up at teams like City and Liverpool and Chelsea and and you know all the all the big money boys if you like I just wonder if if it does do you go to the Etihad thinking against a team who aren't really going to try at all you just have 80% of the ball does it ever get a bit like oh blimey here we go You'd think so, but um, I could honestly say hand on heart, it, it doesn't. Um, I think that the, the thing is, Gary Neville said it in, in commentary. I didn't. I wasn't very well at the weekend, so I didn't go to the Etihad uh, at, uh, on Sunday. Um, uh, Gary Neville said in commentary uh, that um, it, it's not a very entertaining game because City basically knock it around and, and kind of probe for openings. And I fully understand. There's a, a neutral fan that can watch that and go, God, this is this is actually a bit dull. Um but the problem that the problem that you have is that that ultimately it's not really for them. It's not for the neutral to enjoy. Guardiola doesn't care mm. what the neutral thinks. He cares whether no, he gets no. the points and wins his wins his trophies. Um, so because he's not trying to make it an entertaining game, and City City, in all honesty, don't want entertaining games because entertaining games means that the opposition have got a chance to get yeah. something out of it. Jeopardy. So yeah, yeah. yeah they're quite happy to, to kind of do that. But as a City fan, you watch it, you're watching great players pass the ball around in and, and work openings and workspace. And it's from a technical point of view, it's actually quite good to watch. It's good entertaining, um, good entertaining play. The 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 frustrating thing as as a City fan and like I, I will never, I'll never criticise opposition teams for doing this because I, I fully understand that that, that you know the, the playing field is not level. Um, mm. But uh, the one thing that really kind of grates is watching the ball go. City miss a chance and the ball goes behind, and the opposition goalkeeper you know walks over to it, picks it up, walks over to the box, and then walks to the other side of the six-yard box, pops it down, takes a drink, bangs his boots on the on the um, on the on the goal, looks at his watch, up at the scoreboard, and then kind of runs up and and finds to take a short one. And goes no no no, everybody move up while we'll, we'll, we'll go back and then we'll take a goal kick. And just that, that process again and again gets really really boring. Um, but you know, like, like if if it was if the shoe was on the other foot and City were going to, uh, I don't know, mega rich Chelsea in 2006, I would fully have expected Nicky Weaver to be doing that when he got the ball. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. So like, I cannot I cannot sit here in good conscience and say teams would stop time wasting against City, knowing full well yeah. that we used to do it against teams that that had the upper hand when when we didn't have the upper hand. So that's that's the frustrating thing. I, I think the the only other thing that I kind of get wound up by like that. Um, was there was a couple of weeks ago Edison Edison's had two yellow cards this season for time wasting, um, and it's it's really really funny to see because uh, I've never seen an opposition goalkeeper booked at the Etihad for time wasting, and I, like like it's almost as if the referees have come, listen you lot are a lot better than these so you should be yeah, yeah, up yeah. with it. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that that they do it you you can't do this and that that I find a bit frustrating but you know you, you kind of you kind of 
you rub your hands and go, look, look at the bigger picture. The bigger picture is yeah. that City are doing all right, so don't get too wound up by it. I try, I try not let football wind me up as much as I used to. Um, and then we lost the Champions League final last year, and I was fucking furious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very healthy perspective, David. Well, look, um, we will get a uh, we'll get a score prediction off you, but just one last question: now. How do you think, off the back of that, what you saying about City? Uh, how do you think the game will go down uh, at the, the weekend before we do the score prediction, sort of style-wise, more so? Yeah, really worried about it. If, if anything, if the if the League Cup game's anything to go by, um, I'm I'm really worried about it because, um, I, well, I mean, from the start of last season, let's say West Ham have been. They've kind of been the team to watch, haven't they? In as as one of the not traditional uh, big boys, not one of the, the 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 really rich teams that can go out and solve all the problems by signing another player here and there. Um, you have to be really well managed, and I think West Ham for the last eighteen months or so have been really well managed. Uh, you, I watched your game against Liverpool. Um, that wasn't lucky. You know, you were, you were the better team that game. There were spells where Liverpool came into it and I was thinking, oh, here we go again. Um, but no, you, you did really well and you, and, and you, and you, were, you were the better team to win that game. Um, and that's what concerns me. You could do that again to, to, to City. If, if Moyes has a plan, then it could be a real tough afternoon. Um, I, I would back City to just about get through it. Um, I, I can see it. I can see it maybe not being the most entertaining watch of the season. Uh, but I can see both teams having chances in this game because I don't think Moyes is going to come into the Etihad and try and be dead. I think he's going to try and, and work out a way to uh, to maybe let City have the ball, but then hurt City when they when when West Ham get it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, West Ham got an away Europa League clash on Thursday, of course, which. I mean, fans have got different opinions. I don't personally think it's it's impacted on us at all this season. The performances are good. We've just had a couple of unfortunate results off the end. But one was against Man United at home, a game we were in till the 90th minute, could have got a draw. Uh, the other one was was Brentford. And But we've, we've got positive results after European games as well. I don't buy too much into that. But if ever a game is going to test your fitness levels to the extreme, it's Manchester City away. So, David, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast. We appreciate you giving us your time. Uh, give us a score prediction then. Sunday afternoon, 2pm at the Etihad, Manchester City versus West Ham. I can see a similar game to, to that one in 17-18. So, I'm going to say City will, will win it 2-1, maybe even nick it 2-1 uh, but I, the, I can see City scoring first, West Ham coming back into it, and then uh, City just having enough to get over the line. Excellent stuff. David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast there. Absolutely brilliant. Having you on. Uh, yeah, be enjoyable one, Jonesy, won't it? Just to go to uh, everyone, all the fans clapping each other, saying how much they love each other. And then, uh, yeah, someone gets, a, <laughs> someone gets a late winner and it's back to, uh, back to the usual gestures. Jonesy, then, what's your uh, score prediction before we move on? I'm going to go one all. I think um, I think we'll have enough in us to to prevent a five nil. Um, but then at the same time, I mean, I, I just I, something inside me is saying we're not going to win, but I do mm. back us to take something away from it. So I'm going to go for a one all draw, and I'll take it all day long. Fair, yeah. I mean, I'll definitely take it. I just think it's easy to underestimate quite how much it takes to get a result against teams like Man City. And Liverpool, we saw it. Liverpool, obviously, you got the added continual moaning at the ref and diving and all that sort of stuff, which you don't get quite as much, I don't feel, with with City. But getting a result, any result at the Etihad is quite a big ask. And I think the form seems to have dipped a little bit. 
I'll see what happens on Thursday night, of course. But um, yeah, I've got a feeling we might come off uh, on the wrong end of a one nil this week. But I'm hoping, of course, Jonesy, that we uh, we get we get something out of the game. David, brilliant having you with us. Stay with us because it's West Ham women next. David Mooney there from the Blue Moon podcast. I really enjoyed that chat, Jonesy. Uh, I like the, most of the Manchester City fans we speak to, but brilliant to have David on. Uh, big time player, podcaster. With, he works with Five Live and The Athletic as well. Um, and someone of equal gravitas joining us, not for the first time, on the We Are West Ham podcast. A good friend of ours, friend of the show, is the Daily Mail's very own women's football expert, WSL correspondent. It is Catherine back. Catherine, it's superb to have you with us on the show again. Before we get into the absolutely phenomenal results that the West Ham women have had since last week's podcast, that 4 0 win at Birmingham in the Conti Cup before. A massive result at home to local rivals Tottenham. Beat them 1-0 in the WSL on Sunday. It's common knowledge, I think, by this stage, you're a whole City fan, but more particularly a Jared Bowen lover. You're always on to me if ever he does anything well at West Ham. Not willing to have any negative words said about him whatsoever. Are you willing to go on the record? Uh, with your thoughts on the two absolute sitters he missed at Molyneux at the weekend that almost certainly would have won West Ham the game? Well, all I will say is, um, if you don't keep a clean sheet, you won't get any points. So, actually, that doesn't make any sense. But if you don't keep a clean sheet, then you're always, you never, you're always putting yourself uh, on the back foot. So, like you are now. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, I've not seen the chances he missed. I only pay attention to the goals he scores, which is been quite a lot in recent weeks and um, a lot of assists as well so um, if he hadn't put the corner in at Everton you wouldn't have won 1-0 would you? <laughs> there we go nice Good bit point. of there. I nice pulled it back at the end there. Yeah. yeah 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 well rescued well rescued look Catherine great to have you with us again as it always is West Ham women absolutely phenomenal uh, it's fair to say me and Jones when we were chatting last week there was a little bit of concern in the the tone of our chat a little bit worried. It just seemed like it was stalling into somewhat mediocrity again, which we didn't want. Uh, it's not something we've wanted from from Molly Harder. There was real signs of improvement, and that two-all draw at Reading, the last-minute goal that they got again, it just seemed like ah, oh, on the sort of cusp of becoming a bit of a trademark. Uh, went to Birmingham in the Conti Cup last Wednesday, thrashed them four-nil. Absolutely no trouble whatsoever to go top of the group um, and then the win against Tottenham uh, that Spurs win is absolutely huge Dagny Brynjadas the Tordadir uh, the Icelandic one I'm not sure if I've got that pronunciation it's about the 150th time I've tried it on the podcast so uh, Dagny if you're listening forgive me um, have you got any any improvements on that first of all Catherine that pronunciation no, I, I, there's quite a few players at West Ham whose names I can't pronounce, so I just always let you say them and then just sort of go like, yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> yeah, as if I know what I'm talking about. Well, look, yeah, Dagny will call her. Got the goal in uh, on the 16 after 69 minutes. Uh, Tottenham have been superb 
this season. They managed to hold on. West Ham, uh, or both teams had 12 shots. West Ham, three on target to Tottenham's four. Slightly less possession West Ham had with 45%. Um, but overall, it looked like a, a fairly even game when West Ham deserved to win. And they've closed the gap on Spurs, fourth place Spurs. Uh, West Ham now fifth uh, level on points with Man United, but with an improved goal difference. A phenomenal win. That makes it two wins, two draws from their last five. All in all, I mean, considering what Tottenham have done this season, the scalps they've taken and the only team as well to have stopped Arsenal from winning, as far as I'm aware. What a win that is. What a win. Yeah, a huge win, um, especially given the, the the disappointment with with the Reading game the week before after being obviously two 0 up and then conceding that late goal, as you said. But um, I don't think from from what I've watched of Tottenham this season, I don't think there's massive differences between them and West Ham. I don't think there's there, you know, as far ahead as maybe what the table was suggesting earlier in the season. Tottenham are very well organised and they don't concede many goals. What that you know something that we've seen in the past where they were maybe shipping quite a few more goals, but obviously Ryan Skinner's made them quite compact and hard to break down. Um, but they don't score loads either. So that obviously helps with West Ham and and the fact that I know Tottenham were putting quite a lot of pressure on right at the end. And to, to hold on and to not concede late on, obviously, like we did against Reading and Aston Villa a few weeks ago was massive. And that should, you know, give not only the, the defence, but the goalkeeper and, and Oli Harder a lot of confidence in terms of going forward that that's not something that's going to creep in again, hopefully. Is it fair to say then, Catherine, because that that me and James have got cause, I think for most of the season, we've been pretty positive about the, we said, you know, Ollie's Ollie's job last season and his record wasn't superb, but they became immediately more defensively resilient. If Matt Beard had stayed, they were going down, no doubt about it. Uh, although he didn't, his win record wasn't superb, um, it seems like that period of time over the summer, his ideas and the things he's trying to instill in the squad have worked. Um, I've said about it, uh, I spoke to you about it before, I said it on the podcast, spoke to him at the end of, of um, or sort of over the summer, and a lot of his ideas they were quite, you know, they were interesting. It was really interesting to to hear him talk. But I came away sort of thinking, oh, that's a lot to get over to a squad of players who were, some of them were quite new. There was a reasonable turnaround as well. But he seems to have managed to do that. And the performances and most importantly, the results are, are starting to come quite quickly. Is there, What sort of a job do, do you think he's done? Yeah, well, I mean, from where West Ham were when he took over, sort of we're coming up to a year now of, of him being in charge. Um, I think he's done a great job. Obviously, it was difficult at the start because um, the, the confidence of the squad was probably quite low and he had to come in, try and implement his ideas, but also get points on the board that needed to stay up. And obviously that period over the summer has been crucial for him to get his ideas across, get his players in, maybe you know ship a few out who... Were, were you know coming to the end of, of their time at West Ham um, the only the only thing I think he might struggle with this season is having a what I'd call him like a natural goal scorer someone who's maybe going to score 10, 10 goals a season you know that sort of mark um, whether it's going to be Dagny I don't know if I pronounced that right um, or not she's you know looks like someone who can obviously you know 
finished quite well. Um, I know Claudia Walker missed quite a few chances against Reading um, that maybe could have put the game to bed. Um, it was unlucky with one. I think she hit the bar. But it's just whether, you know, there's there's going to be issues sometimes with, with not taking chances because that's, you know, where they've dropped points. I think that's been the cause of them drawing games instead of winning them sometimes this season. But you can see a clear style of play. It's just a case of, you know, is there going to be that person to always finish off the chances? And, you know, I don't know if he'll maybe look to, to recruit in January as well, but um, definitely positive signs. Catherine, obviously the, the, the Spurs game was, was brilliant and it was it was refreshing to see them hold out after conceding late against... Um, um, the, you know, I, think, I can't remember the teams. Was it Reading and Villa? Reading. I think it was earlier in the season. Um with those two go those two draws though were conceded late on, um we've put it down, I think we've spoken about it in the past, Will, you know, we've put it down to just kind of almost switching off at the end. Um, which you know you would normally do when you concede a ninety second minute goal, but to happen twice um in quick succession, sort of what what would you put that down to, having sort of watched watched quite a lot of West Ham? Is it is it them just kind of switching off at the end? Is it, you know, them getting tired? Um See, we've seen a bit of improvement with the Spurs game, but that must be a bit of a worry for for Oli Harder in that they, that they do seem to concede late goals uh, more often than not. Yeah, and I think um, the two goals perhaps came from set pieces or definitely crosses. So I think in Villa it was a it was a header late on, and the um, the equaliser against Reading I think originally came from a free kick and then a, a shot that. I've seen a few replays of it now and there's no replay that shows you whether it was over the line or not. I know sort of West Ham uh, were quite unhappy with it and it, it did look quite close, but obviously no VAR, so not sure whether it did actually go over the line or not. But um, So whether that's a case of organisation from... Um, I mean, you've got Jilly Barty there who should be organising the defence in the set pieces late on, you would think. Um, but yeah, whether it is a case of switching off or maybe, maybe a little bit of fitness because we saw Tottenham, you know, come forward quite a lot at the end. Um, obviously, we're, you know, unlucky not to score. But I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 something that obviously Oli Harder will probably have looked at and he'll be glad that obviously they didn't concede against Tottenham and um, hopefully it's something that doesn't reoccur. But it's, it's difficult to judge, but it's interesting that, you know, those two goals did come from set pieces. So whether it's an organisational thing, I'm not sure. Catherine, there's no game until West Ham got no game until December the 12th at Everton. Um, just on that Conti Cup win last week. Um, so West Ham are top of the group at the moment. It includes Brighton as well in the London City. Linus and Birmingham, of course. Um, just explain to those listening who, how that, that format works. So they're top of the group now. Um, are they through now? Does there more games to come? What's the... Uh, how does it lie for West Ham in the Conti Cup? It's a good question because the Conti Cup confuses a lot of people. Um, and I can't say I've kept my eye across it completely because a lot of the games coincide with the Champions League when, when Chelsea and Arsenal are playing. And they come into it, into the knockout stages. So I think it's the winners of each group. I'm not sure how many groups there are. It's four. Um, and then... Second place, I think it's a certain amount of second place teams and then Chelsea and Arsenal come in because um, they were in the group stage. But if West Ham finish top, then they're definitely through. Mm. Uh, I think you just play everyone once um, in the group. I think I'm right in saying that. So if they've played everyone, um, 
they should be yep. through. I don't know the um so yeah, then okay, that's a case of they'll definitely be through and then it, it's hopefully avoiding Arsenal and Chelsea in the in the next round. Um because it is a competition that you you think, you know, a club like West Ham might have a chance in because I can't see Chelsea Arsenal really prioritising it as you know, as a as a trophy they want to win. It was one of those ones, wasn't it, last season with the the few bright spots of the season getting to the semi final. Obviously, came up against Chelsea and got thumped. Um, I think six nil. I think the uh, the scoreline was in the end. Um, yeah, it's just a, one of those. It seems to have, have given uh, the, the girls a chance to get that winning feeling, carry a bit of momentum, performing well in it. Um, obviously, Brighton three points behind them at the moment. Yeah, just uh, just intriguing because obviously the group stage first off um, after that. But as far as the WSL goes, Catherine, you mentioned already that me and James have got reasons to be positive about West Ham. Fifth place at the moment, like I said. Uh, that's what we we're worried about. Last That win is so huge. That would have left them on nine points. And the way all the rest of the games uh, went, we would have been tenth. I mean, it's so so tight uh, from you know, from literally third Brighton in third on fifteen points down to Aston Villa in tenth uh, with just ten. Birmingham and Leicester are well 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 adrift, aren't they? Leicester played eight, lost eight. Uh, Birmingham have just managed one draw and seven defeats from their eight games. But it really is anyone's division, isn't it? Seriously exciting uh, time to be a, a women's football fan. But West Ham in particular, uh, looking ahead sort of uh, to the rest of the season or particularly up until Christmas, what um, what, what do you think fans can expect realistically uh, for his, his fifth place and holding on to that? You know, a fair thing to expect. You've got Manchester United and Manchester City underneath them at the moment in sixth and seventh respectively. Is it one of those where you go, realistically, they're going to jump you? But you've got Tottenham and Brighton above, who are a teams West Ham would have fancied finishing above at the beginning of the season too. Yeah, I think a lot of people are expecting Manchester City to come back a little bit um, after Christmas when, when they get some of their players back. Um, that third spot is up for grabs. It's There's so many teams that could get it. You've got, obviously... Brighton and Tottenham that have maybe looked like they they might be the surprise team to get it. Um, Manchester United will want it, and I think are going to try and invest in in January to to make themselves a bit stronger. And then obviously you've got City with those those players coming back, and that win over Aston Villa showed that they have got quality in their team. Maybe just at times this season they've struggled to break clubs down, or something's not been quite right. They've obviously had a lot of players missing as well, so. They're only, I think, Man City are about five points off Brighton, I think, and have to play them twice. So I, I think a lot of people are still thinking they might come back and get third place. Um, but it is anyone's game at the minute. And I think for West Ham, fifth place would be fantastic. It's where Everton have finished the last two seasons. And they had obviously aspirations of, of top three this year, not quite worked out so far. Um but now you've pretty much got that guarantee that it's going to be Birmingham or, and Leicester as the bottom two. It's just a case of which one goes down. Mm. You just you just got to try and finish it as high as you can in that middle pack. I mean, realistically, third is is probably out of reach, but never say never. Um, and and you know you never know who if West Ham might do a little bit of business in January as well that could could make the difference. But I think I think they should really be looking at fifth, sixth. Um, 
as realistic targets. And obviously, I, th I think this would be, you know, show a lot of improvement from last season. And winning the Conti Cup alongside that, or in the FA Cup as well, would would also be very good. Yeah, absolutely. Any likelihood for business? Do you think in January? Just quickly. Well, um, the West Ham was one of the clubs that I had heard were looking to do a little bit of, of business quite early on and had been kind of in touch with, with agents of, of players that are coming, coming towards the end of their contract. So um, I would, wouldn't be surprised to see a couple Any of Any name drops you can give us you haven't already published in the paper? Um, I, can't, I can't say any names at the minute, but um, in terms of the, the striking department, I wouldn't be surprised to see any... Um, see, you know, someone in that area come in in January. Excellent stuff. Well, uh, West Ham women fans, keep your eye on Catherine on her Twitter and on the Daily Mail website and in the paper, of course. Uh, this just one more then before we let you go, Catherine. That's a couple of weeks off yet. We're looking ahead to that Everton game, which is next up for West Ham on December the 12th. How do you see that going at this stage? I know obviously it's a way off and a lot can happen, but what's your early thoughts? Um, well, Everton have been quite unpredictable under um, Jean-Luc Vasseur since he's come in. They obviously just got a victory over Leicester at the weekend with a late goal. Um, drew with Man United. It was quite an even game. Um, so I think I would, I'd go for a draw at the minute because um, I think Everton are quite hard to predict. But um, you never know. West Ham will be feeling confident after that win. It's just a shame there's such a, a long gap between between the two games. Mm. Yeah, excellent. Well, look, Catherine, it's been a pleasure having you on, as it always is. Catherine Bat, uh, WSL correspondent for the Daily Mail. There, exciting stuff and a brilliant, brilliant win for the West Ham women over Tottenham. High flying Tottenham at home on Sunday. And what a moment for childhood Hammers fan Dagny Brynja stood Torder as well, and whose name I am going to nail down the pronunciation of by next week's show. That's for sure. No game, as we mentioned until Everton away on December the 12th. But positive stuff for the West Ham women's team. Superb result. Thanks, Catherine, for joining us. And stay with us because we have some final thoughts next. Well, there we have it, Jonesy. That is it for another week. Two brilliant guests this week, David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast and the ever-brilliant uh, Catherine Bat from the Daily Mail. Great win for the West Ham women. Jonesy, 1-0 at home to Tottenham on Sunday. No game for them till December the 12th now. Not such a great result for the West Ham men's team, of course, at 1-0 defeat at Wolves. But pragmatism from me and James, pragmatism from most of the fans. The Rapid Vienna game, uh, for most of you listening to this, is tonight. It'll be Thursday night. This We're recording this Wednesday evening. By the time it goes up, it will likely be Thursday. You listen to this, that's a huge game. Obviously, under being played under a cloud because West Ham had the fan ban. Uh, and then the Austria lockdown as well meant that most supporters haven't even gone out there for a jolly app and will be out of money. However, we've got to try and move onwards, look on the bright side of things. If we manage to get the point, we need to top our Europa League group. That will be fantastic. Um, and then we can look forward to that last home game against Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, we'll be able to rest some players and it'll be a bit more of a celebration and then Manchester City away in the league. You don't really get bigger tests than that in the Premier League. Uh, we've done okay. We've done better against uh, them away in recent years. 
have we not, Jonesy, than we have at home. Uh, but it's a huge game for the club for for lots of different reasons. Um, but it's been a good show tonight, James. Uh, I came back, uh, didn't really see much over the weekend, wasn't engaged because I was away in the West Ham uh, world as much as I usually am. But um, what are your, your final thoughts uh, just on, on the show tonight, the games that have gone and the two that are coming up before we meet again? No, I think it's been a good show. It's, um, yeah, given it's been a, it's going to be a bit of a quick turnaround for the episode to go out before the games kick off, but I think it's been a good show. Um, looking forward to seeing whether we can get all three points in Vienna. Um, lovely to see West Ham women get that huge result against Spurs as well. Um, massive result. Um, but yeah, just looking forward to continuing to be absolutely massive. Hopefully getting three points at City on, on Sunday and, and ensuring top spot in the Europa League in the coming days. Shame we won't be there, but it's what it is. We'll just have to go to the bigger ones. Um, I think we've got the finals in Seville. Um, That'll do, we'll mate. To, That'll do. Yeah, we'll go to Seville instead. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, perhaps book the flights a bit earlier this time. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> make sure the country's uh, COVID stats aren't absolutely through the roof. Before yeah. Let's book them now, just in case. Absolutely, mate. Well, look, I like your pragmatism. Um, control the controllables is what I like to say, Jonesy. And we, uh, yeah, we couldn't, didn't have any control over what happened in Genk or uh, the Austrian government putting the citizens into lockdown either. So, so be it. Happy days. Let's just hope uh, we get pull as much good out of it as we can, and that will uh, look like a West Ham win in Vienna on Thursday night. Just a reminder: if you play Fantasy Premier League, you can join the We Are West Ham Listeners League. Uh, the code you need for that is O-R-1-W-U-C. That's all lowercase. That's O, the letter R-1-W-U-C. If you want to join in on Fantasy Premier League, you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham or on Instagram at we are West Ham pod Facebook just search the we are West Ham podcast and do exactly the same on YouTube where you'll find our channel where Jonesy is in charge of putting up all the different clips interviews we have both opposition views will go up as will the West Ham women's section with Catherine Bat. the subscribers are slowly growing as are the listener numbers on this podcast and that is thanks to uh, subscribing all you subscribing giving us five stars writing reviews and telling your friends which you appear to have been doing however you heard about the we are west Ham podcast we are eternally grateful for you just sticking with us and it gives us especially uh, the last couple of weeks it gave me a real boost to see that last week when uh, yeah two of our last three um, episodes have made it into our top three most listened of all time along with one where we had West Ham legend Tony Cotty for two hours so uh, yeah that gave me a real boost uh, I know Josie feels the same so we appreciate all of you if you can subscribe, leave us reviews and all that sort of thing, that'd be great. Don't forget you can buy us a beer or support the podcast as well for as little as £5 and the amounts go up accordingly. That's at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestham. So, yeah, thanks very much for listening. West Ham United are still fourth in the Premier League. The important thing to remember as well, it would take some sort of freak turn of results for us to drop out of it next weekend even if we lose to City Arsenal have got to win something like 15-0 to overtake us so we're likely to still be fourth almost certainly 
still be fourth by the end of the weekend after we've played Manchester City. There's a chance we will have guaranteed our place as Europa League group winners after our first ever Europa League group stage campaign. Important to contextualise where we are at the moment. It might feel a little bit flat, but there really isn't any reason to be because this is the time of our lives. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Up the Hammers, West Ham United are still massive and we'll see you next week. This week's episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. Football Prizes recently had some time away while they changed server providers, but they're back with a bang this week with two superb prizes for Hammers fans. The first is an enviable signed and framed Paolo Di Canio shirt, which, to be honest, I am desperate for. Tickets are £4.95 each, just 99 will be sold and there are only 28 left as of Wednesday night with entries closing on Friday at 7.30pm and the draw being made an hour later live on the Football Prizes Facebook page. But also there to be won this week is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for many fans and that is two hospitality passes to Manchester City's Tunnel Club for Sunday's game against West Ham. This fantastic prize includes plum seat right behind the dugout. You get in the Tunnel Club and you see the players from the home and the away teams just inches away from you behind the glass as they prepare to go out onto the pitch. You get food and drink included before, during and after the game and you get the opportunity to watch the post-match interviews live. As of Wednesday night, just eight of the 75 that is just eight of the 75 available tickets have been sold on the football prizes website so if you act fast you give yourself a real chance to win this superb prize entries cost £9.95 each and the competition closes on Thursday night at 7.30pm with the winner announced an hour later in the usual fashion there have been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Soufal up for grabs since Football Prizes launched and after a couple of weeks away, they are back with a vengeance. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.